0: Welcome to Daily Living for Christ, 86,400 seconds in a day. Imagine the possibilities of what your life would become if you dedicated an additional 60 seconds each day to walk closer with Christ. Well, that's what we're here for. We are here to partner with you On your journey to drawing closer to Christ. 86,400 seconds. Are you ready? 86,400 seconds. Are you ready to become what Christ has already declared you are? Let's jump in. Alrighty, welcome back to another session, and we are in the book of Acts. We're coming up on on chapter six right now, so you're in the chapter six in the book of Acts, so things are going to start to change. But before I go any further, I wanted to do somewhat of a recap, because I'm, I'm titling this This message or episode, I'm titling it Ordinary People. And I think it's important for us to understand about ordinary people. When you think of the 12 disciples, what made them special? Or, can I say, what made them not special? Right? And I want you to grab a hold of this because they weren't, they weren't prominent people in their community. They were average, ordinary people that were in love with God or had an issue. And Jesus noticed them and invited them to partake in his ministry. And we are going to see now in the book of Acts that God moves through what we will call ordinary people or what tradition calls lay people. So lay people are people like you and I, that we go to church, we don't have a title or we, we, we are part of the congregation and we just, we participate. Now I, I, actually included myself as a lay person, but I am a minister, but I still consider myself as being part of the congregation. And the thing that we must understand in the kingdom of God, there is no us and them. So if you are ever inside of a church, I want you to hear me now. If you're ever inside of a church and you have a feeling or an inkling that there is an us or a them, where there's a hierarchy or people feel like there's some that are higher and some that are lower. I will tell you this, and I'm, I'm putting this out. This is my opinion here, but I'm putting it straightforward because I want I want people to understand this. God's not into titles. I I want you to think about this and and, and I'll prove it to you as we start to get through this. None of the disciples had titles. They were called by God to be able to do the things that God wanted them to do. I mean, they were called by God, I, I actually called by Jesus to follow him so that he could manifest. Love to this world and then he empowered them to take what they saw him do and say over a three and a half year period of time and impart it and to live it so that people could understand and see what love looked like when it was attached to flesh and I think that is the most important thing to grab a hold of is to realize God is into people he's not into titles and when you truly understand those things it manifests in a beautiful way it it really helps us grab a hold of what the kingdom of god is really supposed to be about. And the kingdom of God. And the church as a whole. Is about family. God desires. To have family. Everything that he does. Is about family. It's about bringing people together. In family. In relationship. That is his whole point he wanted family and we as we accept him we become part of the family of god or the kingdom of god so as we jump into and we start to read about in the book of acts you're going to start to see in chapter six you'll see this whole relationship of family Starting to deepen. You you'll see it where the points that come up um will share a lot for us. So I'm gonna jump in. And there's a lot going on in chapter six. So I'm not quite sure if I'm gonna break this down into two separate or or go into one. But I, I really want to expound on this. So here here's the first thing. In verse number one, six one, it says, Now in those days. When the disciples were growing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Greek speaking Jews against the native Hebraic Jews because the, their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, I want to make this point here. If you didn't catch this, This is the first time that Luke is using the term disciple in the book of Acts since Jesus has left. Since Jesus' ascension, this is the first time. In the first five chapters of the book of Acts, he did not use the term disciples. He said believers. He said followers. Now, why is this relevant? Because it's important to understand, and I know today, man, we use the word disciple, we just casually throw it out in, you know, like easy. But a disciple is a follower or a learned one, one that learns or is committed to learning. So what he is saying now he's saying that not only was the church increasing, it wasn't just growing in size. Those that were in the church were committed to becoming disciples or they were disciples or learners of what the apostles were teaching. This is so important to grab a hold of that. Cuz we see in today's environment, we see churches growing, or we see large churches, but that doesn't we don't necessarily see people inside of the churches that are Disciples are learners, are convicted or con- convicted followers, are committed followers to that which they are being taught. So, when you think about the word disciple, from this point forward, I want you to start to think about a disciple is a learner. It is someone that is committed to learning and following. Now, when you think about this, I want you to grab a hold of this. I talked about at one particular point how the Mary and Martha, I'm going to bring this back in because it brings this point up. And I said, during the first century, the rabbis had disciples and Jesus also had disciples. He had 12 of them. But to think about this, now you have a clearer picture of that the disciples were committed followers. They were learners of Jesus. Now Mary took that position. She says, I too am a committed follower and a learner of Jesus. Mary Magdalene, I too am a committed follower and a learner of Jesus. Jesus' mother Mary, I too I'm a committed follower and a learner of Jesus. So they were not just male disciples, they were female disciples, but Mary put them on the map by taking the position of one that sat at their teacher's feet. Now, here's what I want you to also notice here. I'm gonna break this down really slowly because a complaint arose. So even amongst family and amongst congregations, complaints will arise. Complaints will come up. But what I want you to notice is is how they handled the complaint. Now, the issue here was, to give you a little bit of history, I'm using English terms to describe what transplanted. So the complaint arose on the part of... Notice, there were two different type of Jews that were in Jerusalem at the time. There were Greek-speaking Jews and there were native Hebraic-speaking Jews. So what had transpired was, now what we find is, is that the the Hellenistic Jews is the ones that had the issue. So their their widows were being overlooked doing the daily distribution of food. Wait, hold on. Check now. Remember in Acts chapter 2, all those that started to come to the church bought resources and they bought their finances and they bought things to the church so that the church was self-sufficient. And I want you to grab a hold of this, because this right here is a model that is used today. But it's not necessarily used in churches today, but the government used, well, at least in the United States, the government uses this as a model. This is what you would consider as an example of the feud distribution would be the... Uh, what we call the social services system, where the government provides for people food, distribution, and those different things so that they'll be able to eat. But that, God ordained that to be done in the church. He It wasn't God's desire that that be handled by the government. Notice, I want you to get this. Judaism had their own way of providing for their elders and their people. Rome, Rome, the Romans did not provide for their people, which was the government that ruled the people there. So the church when they established the church, they built this principle into the church. First principle was that together We are stronger. If we pool our resources together, everybody can be provided for. But another point here was, look what happened. There was growth causing things to be missed. So the complaint came, one group against the other. Was saying, hey, wait a minute, you're forgetting our people. They're not getting food. Are you missing them as compared to the ones that are not being missed? Like, how's that possible? But here's what transpired here. Let's go to verse 2. So the 12, who are the 12? They are now, we're going to call them the 12 apostles. Notice, they were disciples first, now they were the sent ones by Jesus, and Luke has now identified them as being the twelve, and we're going to see a transition that they're going to go from twelve, they're going to go from the twelve, then they're going to be apostles, they're going to be the sent ones, and they actually are the ones that are ministering in the church. And it's important to grab a hold of this because the the 12 all had a first encounter with Jesus. They physically saw and walked with him. So the church was built on the foundation. Christianity was built on the foundation of people who lived and walked with Jesus. Grab that. I want you to hold on to that. Because this is not something that you take lightly. The very foundation of Christianity were 12 men and other women and people that walked with Jesus. And they passed on what they experienced and saw in Christ, they passed it on to the next generation. And we today are Christians as a result of what was passed on. Is it not the book of Acts? Luke is writing down the first sightings are the first he's writing down the second volume to his first volume the ministry of Jesus and now how that ministry of Jesus was imparted into the people or the disciples which we call the 12 apostles and how they went out and did good under the working of the influence of the holy spirit so verse 2 again so the 12 called the whole group of the disciples together and said. Now watch this. So he called the church together. I want you to see this. He called the church together. And look what the 12 said. It is not right for us to neglect the word of God. So the growth of the church had caused them to be pulled away from their direct responsibility. And as a result of that, complaints started to happen. Because they were trying to do the daily distribution of food, do other things, and they didn't have time to literally, well, they had time, so they had to have time in the word. Word came first. And then they got pulled away to do the other stuff. But I want you to see what they said. They said, listen, to the church people, they said, it is not right for us to neglect the word of God. To wait on tables. Oh, I want you to grab a hold of this. Hear what God is saying here, because this is so very important. He's saying, To not neglect the word of God for any other work. So the word of God or relationship with the word, relationship with Jesus is important. So no matter what comes out of it, it's important for you to grab a hold of this. It is not right for us to neglect the word to wait on tables. Grab that. Just grab a hold of it. And I I share this, man, because for many of us or many people I know like me, I had a career. And for 25 plus years, there were times where I know physically I neglected the word of God for the demands of my job. I knew it. There were times where I was working 12, 13-hour days, coming home, tired, going to sleep, getting up, and then say a quick prayer, go back to work. And what is God saying? He's, seeing is he's saying, listen, listen. It's not right because eventually you can't sustain life without the word of God. And he's bringing this to the forefront of the church in the very genesis of the church. He is bringing this point forward to not neglect the word of God and prayer. Prayer and the word of God are priority. They are a priority for every believer. And you may start out with five minutes of the word and a two minute prayer, but it's better than zero. And eventually as the desires of your heart increase, God will give you the desires of your heart and allow you more opportunity for prayer and the word. So I want you to see this. This very point. Luke is making it a point for us to see this point. It is not right for us to neglect the word of God to wait on tables. Verse 3. Now, but carefully select from among you, brothers, seven men who are well attested, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this necessary task. So let me break it down. God is saying it's important. That the distribution ministry taking care of the people in the church, and especially in this case, the elders in the church or the widows in the church because they had no other substance. Remember, in first century Christianity, in the first century, the husband provided for the household. So if the husband's gone and the wife is a widow, who, Who provides for them? And the church provided. So here's the key here. The apostles go to the congregation. They present the problem first. Wait, let's break this down. First, the complaint came. They didn't sweep the complaint underneath the rug. They heard the complaint that within the church, there were Greek-speaking Jews and Hebraic-speaking Jews, and one of the groups said, hey, our group is not getting food. So the issue was from, they tried to, the enemy, now watch this, the enemy's trying to make this be a cultural thing within the church. Oh, you're only feeding those that speak like you, Those that don't speak like you, you're forgetting about them. They squashed it. They didn't even give the enemy any play in that conversation. Notice, they're not blaming the devil. They're not even mentioning the devil in this conversation. They brought the problem before the people. And then they said to them, it's not right for us to do this. Now you, congregation, go find seven men who you can attest are full of the spirit and wisdom. Look at the qualifications. Full of the spirit and of wisdom. Just think about that. Full of the spirit and wisdom. <laughs> So here's the point. You have to be able to see someone to know that they are full of the Spirit. You can see what full of the Spirit is in action. Because how did the congregation identify them? So there is a way that we as believers can be full of the Spirit And those around us will know that we are full of the spirit and that we, there is a way that you can see wisdom in operation. I want you to grab this. And he said, whom we can put in charge, but look what verse four says. Verse four says, but we, we'll devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They said, we can't get off track. We got to stay focused on the plan. We got to stay focused on the calling. We got to stay focused on what Jesus planted in our hearts. And I'm saying to you tonight, As Paul said to Timothy at one time, he said, listen, fan the flame, fan the flame inside of you. Remember the words that were spoken over you. The 12 is saying here tonight, we can't get pulled into this. We got to stay focused on what's at hand. Why? Because they were disciples They were committed followers of Jesus. And they were learners of Jesus. So in the same manner that they saw Jesus pray and minister, they're now following the pattern that he gave them. Grab that. So there will be times where your employment or your career is going to pull you away from prayer and from the word. And it'll keep pulling, or actually I used the wrong word, it'll push you away from the word. But that spirit of God that's working within you will be pulling on you to remind you that you have to choose. You see, everything that is manifesting here in these first verses is all about choice. The people are exercising choice to address the issue to address the fact that it's not right for them to forsake the word of God and prayer for the sake of waiting tables. And now the congregation is involved. But look what happens. (laughs) Verse 6. The proposal pleased the entire group. So the church was in agreement. Now, Luke doesn't tell us what they did, but we can assume that the church got together. They prayed. They made a list of names. Hey, who do you know? Who do you see that's actually full of the spirit and wisdom? They came up with a list. They probably vetted that list. And then they presented the names. Now, it doesn't tell us why they came up with seven. Right. So the point of it is, let's not get overwhelmed by the fact that the number seven was used. But some teach, I mean, some from the from the Jewish businesses, they use the number seven, right, to help them manage their business. There are seven days in a week. So maybe each individual only had to do their job one day a week. So it wasn't full time. So all they had to do was reschedule or rework one day a week for the work of the ministry. So now, look what happens in verse 5. So the proposal pleased the congregation. I'm just going to say congregation. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. Well, full of faith? Was not a requirement. So, how do you know if a person is full of faith? What did they see in Stephen that caused him or caused them to say that he was full of faith and? Of the Holy Spirit. Which was one of their requirements. So again. They chose Stephen. A man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. With Philip. With Porcuras. Nessera. Timon. Paneras Nicholas. And a Gentile covenant. Convert to Judaism. From Antioch. Here's the first thing I want to say to you. Every single person that they chose from that congregation was of the exact culturally rate, or from the exact race or culture of the people that were being neglected. So they picked from the actual people that were being neglected, the same people they picked from them So that now the language barrier would no longer be an issue. A culture would no longer be an issue. So it's important to grab a hold of this. While they were all racially the same, they were all Hebrew. They were racially the same. They were culturally different. Just like we are culturally different. But when we become into church as believers, we are all the same. And it's important for me to grab a hold of this. It's important for me to say this. Because more is going to come on this. When you become a born again believer, you are no longer a Watch this now. I know I'm going to get some heat on this one, but I'm okay with it cuz I'm going to do some more teaching on this later on, but I'm going to throw this out for you right now. You are no longer an African American Christian. You are no longer a Latino Christian or a Caucasian Christian or a European Christian. Because here's the point. If you if you put your race before Christian, you now have put the emphasis on your race and not on your new position in Christ. I'm going to let that settle for a moment. Because the proper way to say this is I am a Christian who is African American, a Christian who is Latino. A Christian who is Caucasian or European. Now the emphasis is on what Christian, and what the enemy wants for us to do is to put our race in front of our new creation. Does not did not Paul say any man that be in Christ or any person that be in Christ is a new creation? All things are new. All things are passed away. All things are new. So I want you to grab this because this very point, the book of Acts is addressing the issue immediately. Cultural differences tried to come up. Nope. Stop. Let's address it. Let's solve the problem right there, right now, and let's squash it. And if I don't know about you, but as you read through the book of Acts, this issue does not come up again. So I want you to start thinking about this. You are a Christian first. Then you are from whatever culture you've come from or from whatever race you've come from. That is what Christianity is all about. That is where we live in the oneness of God. You see? Because when we're in the oneness of God, we can flow in his power and in his presence and allow his ability to flow through us. I just wanted to grab hold of this. I'm gonna do more talking about this in the upcoming episodes because it's in the book of Acts, is where we understand oneness and unity is manifested. Distribution of food, distribution of money is there. There is oneness, there's one common goal, and it's oneness in Christ. And that's all that matters. Now, let's continue. So they pick the seven from the culturally diverse group and now in verse 6 it says and they stood these men before the apostles so now i want you to grab this who picked the seven the congregation did not the leaders in the church The leaders in the church presented the problem to the congregation and the congregation fulfilled the need or whatever was the issue based on their understanding or their ability to know the people that were in the congregation. So what is God saying? The answer to all of the church's problems or challenges is sitting right there in the congregation. We just have to empower them. Yeah, grab that. Hold on to that. The answer to the church's challenges is sitting right there in the congregation. Isn't that what Paul said in Ephesians? He said that God gave some to be. Evangelists, prophets, pastors, and teachers. Right? He gave the fivefold ministry for the perfecting of the saints. So, anyone that is of the fivefold ministry, our only responsibility is exactly what these apostles realized in the beginning of the church. We are to minister the word and to pray. Why? Because it is for the perfecting. Now, I want you to grab this. The word perfect in the Greek means maturing, complete without flaw. So the perfecting of the saints is to bring the saints to a place of maturity. Where they are lacking nothing and they are complete. So, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist, our only purpose is to bring the congregation, bring people that are coming into the church. To a place of maturity. And part of that maturity. You'll be able to see it. Is just like in Stephen. People will be full of faith. And of the Holy Spirit. And watch this now. They will be walking in wisdom. Wisdom. Full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, and walking in wisdom. Now, they were full of faith, they were full of the Holy Spirit, and they were walking in wisdom, but it still did not negate that a complaint came. So I want to share this with you. Complaints are not bad. Complaints are opportunities For the presence of God to show up. You see, we, everybody, most people, everybody, we, right? When you're within a church and when you hear a complaint, we are prone to go to the negative. That's not what they did here. When the complaint arose, the apostles went to prayer and they presented the problem to the congregation and said, look, it's not right for us to do this. We need to fix this. Let's get it done. Now, as a result of this, look what happens here. I'm going to read verse six again. He says, so the congregation stood these men before the apostles, and look what they did, who prayed and placed their hands on them. I need to stop there. I got I to read this because it's important that you grab hold of this. Because now we see something. We see an understanding of why in the modern church they lay hands on people. So they are imparting authority here. I want you to grab this. So when the apostles laid their hands on them and prayed for them, they are commissioning them for their work. You got it. So the laying on of hands. Jesus did the laying on of hands when he went to heal. So he imparted the power of God that he had to override the system of or override what was transpiring inside of the other person to cause them to be well. It was through the laying on of hands. You also use the laying on of hands to impart authority before people. So they laid on their hands before the congregation and said, we're now commissioning you to take on this task so that we can go back to the reading of the word or the ministering of the word and praying. And I want you to grab this verse seven. I want you to see what happened here. All of this, look at this, this started with a complaint. But Luke wants us to understand. Complaint equals opportunity. And as a result of the complaint, here's what transpired in verse seven. The word of God continued to spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly. And, see God is so awesome. And a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. So they were even able to convert ranking people within the Judaism, within the church's system, the Old Testament church's system, the priests that were there that they ministered, they were able to convert them to Christianity as a result of how they showed up In this complaint, I want you to grab that. See, what we don't think about or what we don't ever consider is who is watching us outside of the congregation to see how we handle things that might draw them in to Christ. It started out with the disciples growing in number, and now it said the word of God continued to spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly. And a large group. What does large mean? Notice, I love that Luke didn't give us a number, but he said a large group of priests And in the New Testament, I think in the um, King James Version, it actually says a great multitude. So what, 50, 100, right? Would you not consider that as being a large group? Can you imagine? Just think about it this way. I I, want to give you this example. What's the best way that I could do this? Yeah, in the United States. 50 of the 52 senators, as a result of how the church handles things, become believers or they become disciples. Think about that. <laughs> it's incredible. So by that thing, you now you have this opportunity to sway the community. Because people in influential positions now are obedient to the faith. What a wonderful thing. And it all started because the disciples, the 12, wanted to handle this in a godly way. Not in a way that they thought was right. They wanted to handle it in a way that God wanted it to be handled or the way God thought that was right. So what does this all say about you today? The focus here is extremely important. Number one, there will be times in your walk with the Lord that you are going to be pushed away with other details to push you away from time in the word and prayer. But the Holy Spirit will be pulling at you to remind you that it's not right for you to be pulled away with these other things to forsake the Word of God. The other thing that is, when a complaint comes forward, it doesn't mean that it's bad. It could be an opportunity for God to use you to show up in a mighty way. And there's another one. Here's another point. That you can visually recognize. People that are full of the spirit and wisdom. And full of faith. You can visually recognize it. So it's a visual. And it's an audible. So they were saying something. And they were doing something. In order for the congregation to to recognize them. And I will say this to you. I'm saying this to all the Stevens and all the Phillips that are out there sitting in church right now. Stay put. Don't allow yourself to be pushed away from where you're supposed to be because you're the answer to the complaint or the problem that will be that will manifest. If you leave, the answer is not there. And God chose them. He chose seven, but he highlights two of them. And we're going to find out that Stephen does something amazing in the next episode. We're going to focus only on Stephen. And Philip becomes an evangelist and evangelizes And he's in the book of Acts in around the 20th chapter. So out of the seven, two of them went on to do greater things for God. But it all started with them being full of wisdom and full of the Spirit. So be blessed. And until next time, you don't want to miss this next episode. Because Stephen, man, is is the epitome of ordinary becoming used by God in an extraordinary way that changes history. Till next time, make it a great one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Daily Living for Christ. Where we have one purpose, and that's to partner with you on your daily walk with Christ. Before you go, I have two questions I want to throw out to you. First, what insights did you gain from this episode? And number two, how will you apply those new insights in your daily walk with Christ? Remember, awareness leads to choice, and choice leads to a decision. 86,400 moments in a day 86,400 moments in a day Let today be the day That you increase by one more moment with Christ Until next time, I'm out